Well, hi, and welcome to the Convene Studios here in Southern California. I'm excited to talk about the future, but we're going to do it in a practical way. Some of us are thinking about the future and we're nervous. Some of us are not thinking about the future and our heads in the sand. And some of us are thinking about the future and doing something about it. We've asked two people to join us today. Dr. Mike Petty, who is a member of the Association of Professional Futurists. He has his PhD in Strategic Foresight from Regent University, and he's a former dean of the School of Business at Stratford University. This is a man who lives in the future, and we're going to ask him to be joined by Scott Schnur, who owns a business in Chicago that is needing to think about the future all the time, or he'll be eaten up by competitors who do. So Scott Schnur, Dr. Mike Petty uh, are going to join us and talk about the future and how you as a business owner can think about the future in a practical way. Here we go. Welcome everybody. We're here in the Convene studios uh, and in Washington DC and Chicago with our guests. We're going to talk about artificial intelligence, robotics, machine learning, all those things you might have been ignoring but wishing you had a guide to help you figure out what's the way to the future. And as people who care about what God has to say about these things, we know we can't uh, predict the future, but we know we can't live in the past. So today our guests are going to help us uh, talk about those things. So we want to welcome uh, Dr. Mike Petty from Washington, D.C. He's a member of the Association of Professional Futurists. He spent 45 years in financial and strategic management roles. He's got an MBA, a PhD from Regent University in Strategic Foresight. He founded Flagship Futures Group, and he's the former dean of the School of Business at Stratford University. Welcome, Dr. Petty. Thank you. Good to be here. And then from Chicago, uh, Mr. Scott Schnur, the founder of Multiple Enterprises, currently the CEO of DRF Trusted Property Solutions, a residential and commercial operation that if you call many places of other brand names to get things replaced in your home, HVAC, water heaters, things like that, you end up with one of Scott's people. He's taken the firm to almost $20 million, and every day he thinks about the future and implements strategies that keep his company on the cutting edge. So welcome, Scott. Great to be here. Thanks a lot, Greg. Thanks, you guys, for taking time. I love the fact that we have uh, both sides of the equation represented here. We have uh, uh, Dr. Petty doing a lot of thinking and working with companies, getting them to understand the future. And Scott, you're working not only in a, a real life company in the present, but you're thinking a lot about the future. So this should be fun. I was thinking a little bit in the last few days, uh, getting ready for our time, and I was thinking about if you were a taxi driver 10 years ago, you would have felt pretty secure and then came Uber. If you made gas-powered cars and then came Tesla, maybe you'd be thinking twice. If you were a travel agent 20 years ago, then came Expedia and Kayak, you might be a little nervous. If you're a checkout clerk at a grocery store and then came scanners, you might be a little insecure. And if you're a, a, a McDonald's order taker and then came kiosks when you walk in and push buttons for your order, you might be a little insecure. But if you're a business owner, Let's talk about those people. The business owner who says, how do I think about the future? I don't know how to do it. 
I'm nervous. Will my industry still be even around 10 years from now? Mike, what would you say to those people? Well, I'd say those are pretty good questions, and those are questions that you have to address every day. You know, the, you have to manage your future as, as diligently as you're managing your day-to-day -day operations. And what is it that you're trying to do with your clients, Mike? So if somebody hired you, what, were, what would be some things they would expect to do? Would you bring a crystal ball to the meeting, or how does that go? Yeah, I'd like to bring a crystal ball, uh, you know, and just kind of hold hands around the table and we <laughs> to the future, you know. Uh, uh, but all seriousness aside here, um, I, I take companies, leadership teams, through a kind of a structured process of futures thinking. We start with today. We challenge our business model. What's the underlying assumption that makes our business model valuable today? Uh, is that assumption uh, in jeopardy? What is the trend that's putting that, that assumption in jeopardy? And what is the trend or trends that may take you to your preferred future or the trends that may take you down a path that you don't want to be there? So we start with today, we work out to the future, doing a little scenario planning, and then we work back back to today to look for those inflection points where we have to be aware of what's happening in environment so we can take advantage of it. And Scott, you're in the, the real live shoe leather brick and mortar uh, in the fray every day kind of company. How are you thinking about the future so you don't get stuck in the past? The key is paying attention to what's going on in the envi environment, much to what Mike had just explained going through that practice, I think an important piece is going through it on a regular basis, having it scheduled, having being something that you do, just like you'd review your P&L regularly, looking at your marketing plans, you need to be looking at what's happening and changing. I think the biggest change is really um, the consumer's mindset and what the expectations of the consumer are and adjusting to that. For both of you, what do you think, um leaders need to pay attention to today instead of when they have time? Well, I think, you know, I, I kind of characterize the environment as being complex, chaotic, conflict-driven, and constantly changing. So they have to take, they have to be paying attention to what is changing around them, not only in their industry, but outside of their industry. You know, and, and when you start to see uh, commercials on TV by Amazon or Google talking about artificial intelligence, that's the indication that it, it is here. It's here to stay. And if you're not using it, you should be. So I think, I think uh, leaders have to be uh, super vigilant to look at, uh, to recognize those things that are changing in their environment, uh, the, the, the entire business environment that causes them to take a pause and say, gee, I, I never thought I'd see that. Or, and then the follow-up question is, well, now that I've seen it, what does it mean for my business? And how can I take advantage of it? Or how can I minimize the risk? When I was uh, at a company called Service Master, we were about a $9 billion company. We were growing very fast. And we talked about something called the rate of rate of growth. Uh, we kind of jokingly referred to it as ROROG the rate of the rate of growth. And the rate of the rate of growth was very fast. 
I got to thinking about our talk today and I thought of the rate of rate of change. I guess that's row rock, but the, the, the rate of rate of change is so fast that last year when I walked into a McDonald's, true confessions, I walked up to a real person and gave them my order. Now I walk into a McDonald's and there's a screen that says I can push buttons and figure out what I want on my hamburger. What do you say, what do you guys say to the company that says, I don't have to worry about that. It's not my thing. Uh, Scott, you might say, I sell water heaters. What can be different about that? How would you speak to the person from your experience who might be saying, I don't need to pay attention to that? Well, you don't need to, but you don't need to stay in business either. Um, we have a stewardship responsibility to take care of our people and to really use what God's blessed us with in a way that it's going to continue to grow and we can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So I think if you want to hear that, you have to pay attention and it's changing everything. Um, everything that changes at McDonald's, everything that changes at Amazon, it really changes the mind of the consumer and it changes their perceptions of what any transaction should be. Uh, many people years ago said there's no way you could buy a car online. Now look at Carvana, look at, you know, there's a number of things. The human mindset is what drives everything. So the only business that wouldn't be affected by change, and it's not just technology, it's really the human mindset that changes, and then the demands of the consumer are adapted with technology. So the technology is what backs up the demands of the consumer, but the demands of the consumer in every market, you have consumers. Um, I think that anybody who thinks that they're not going to be impacted, I would encourage them to recognize that that is a part of human frailty, that we are not good at predicting the future. We believe that the way things were are the way they're going to be. And what we've personally experienced is what's going to drive our belief systems and how we learn. Um, one of the greatest examples is Kodak. Kodak created and patented digital photography. They looked at it and said, there's no place for this. People want to hold a picture in their hand. For 10 years, they owned that technology. They licensed it out. After the patent expired and their license, licensure ran out, they lost the revenue from it. They went out of business very in short order. So it's the mindset of, I'm good. We don't have to mess with this. It's really almost a scriptural pride cometh before a fall. You know, you're prideful in thinking that you know what's going to happen when you can't. I remember speaking at a conference one time. It was a pretty heady conference at a pretty snazzy location. And there was a big audience. And somebody said um, to me as a question from the floor, what do you do with the person whose bookstore has been closed down because of the terrible Amazon. And I said, well, that's their own fault, not Amazon's fault. And later somebody came up to me and said, I can't believe you said it was her fault. I said, well, who else's fault was it? If you ignore the fact that Amazon exists and you sell books in a bookstore and you do nothing about it, that's not Amazon's fault. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? What do, you, what do you say to the person who says, those big, dastardly, terrible companies with all this artificial intelligence, machine learning, robotics? Uh. Well, you know, we, we saw that even before technology. We saw Walmart 
Uh, we saw the same argument with Walmart. Walmart would move into a rural community and close down all the, the local mom and pop shops because they could sell on volume, they could sell in better prices. And again, it's like like Scott said, it's about the perception of the of the buyer. The perception of the buyers, I can get a better value from my dollar. Whose fault is it if the local grocer goes out of business? You know, so it's, uh, and now Amazon is doing the same thing to Walmart. I love the verse in scripture that says that we should know the condition of our flocks and our herds. Now, it's likely that nobody listening is a sheep herder, but uh, it's true that that means whatever business we're in, we're supposed to know what the heck is going on. And so what would you guys say to the person who says, okay, you have my attention. I, I do agree. I better do something, but I don't have any idea what to do. What, what would you say to them? I, I think that one of the most important things you can do when you think about that scripture of knowing the condition of your flocks, um, you can get feedback from your team members, your vendors, your consumers, and ultimately what drives disruption is friction in the marketplace. So any condition that exists that's creating a friction point within a transaction is what allows the opportunity. So you used Uber before. People hated standing in the rain, trying to hail cabs, wondering when they'd show up, not knowing where they're at. There was all these friction points for the consumer that that market ignored and said, this is how we do it, this is how we've done it forever. Somebody else looked at it and you had the confluence of the consumer friction, with new technology, with GPS, with handheld smartphones, with location proximity for all those components that you can actually have an algorithm that figures out who, who gets matched to who. It's almost like speed dating. Um, once that was all put together, they eliminated that friction point. And who now would choose, even though you might pay a little bit more, who would choose standing on a corner trying to hail a taxi over standing inside in a warm uh, reception area requesting an Uber. They changed it by eliminating the friction point. And that's what you need to look at is what stinks in my transaction process for my consumer. What is it that's creating a pain point that nobody's paying attention to? And that also gives you the chance to differentiate. So you're using the technology to differentiate and go after that. And that exists in every place. And as it, um, as Mike was talking about the, and you were talking about the rate of the rate of change, as quickly as you've figured it out, technology is changing, human mindset's changing, communication standards are changing. So as soon as you figure it out, start working to figure out what it's gonna be next. Because at the speed of change right now, before you might have had a 10 year run like Kodak did. Now they'd be lucky if that was a year. I have a friend who's in the missions business. He is an organization called Crosstalk Global. And so, yes, that's a commercial, but he is a uh, person who teaches pastors how to preach. He does it in seminaries, and that takes two or three years. And they get this wonderful degree called the Masters of Divinity after taking 70, 80, 90 units of work. This includes things like how to translate Greek and Hebrew and things like that. So my friend figured out there's about two things you need as a pastor in a third world country to learn how to preach. Number one, you need to learn how to be a great communicator. Number two, you need to understand the Bible. So he put that into uh, uh, six weeks of training in two week residential seminars. So two weeks, then wait six months, two weeks, then wait six months, two weeks. 
and he's now trained over 500 pastors all around the world for free on how to be a great pastor who could never afford to come to the United States of America, Canada, or Europe to, to pay $40,000 to learn how to be a pastor. They've now learned how to be a pastor for nothing because he took the core curriculum, said, I'll go to you in Vietnam, I'll go to you in Mongolia, I'll go to you in Romania, I'll go to you in Cuba, and I'll teach you how to be a pastor for nothing in six weeks. Wow, that's disruptive technology. Yeah, you're seeing that today in, in the whole higher ed community. You know, universities like Harvard and MIT and, and Stanford, they offer courses for free. You may not get a certificate in artificial intelligence, but you get a hell of a good education. I wanted to come in on Scott's example of Uber. Um, Uber has now created uh, you know, a disruptive business model to the taxi business, but they're smart enough to be changing their business model. Here's a company that prided itself on being a personal communication or personal transportation company without any tires on the road. And now they've recently purchased, set a place to purchase order for 20,000 self-driving cars from Volvo. So they're moving from one business model. And while they're, while they're very successful in that business model, while they're still successful, they're moving on to their next business model. That's looking at innovation and looking at, at change and taking advantage of it. Yeah. And I guess you could buy a, uh, Tesla for 80, 90, hundred thousand dollars, or you could buy a lesser expensive electric car and still have essentially an electric car. So I think, you know, they're going to have a run for their money too. Well, let's talk about people who say, okay, I'm hearing all this. Uh, I realize I don't need, need to ignore this anymore. I think I've understood you would tell me what to do but I'm still very nervous about the future. I feel like if I uh, you know, called Scott on the phone or if I called Mike on the phone, I don't even know if I'd have a company when it's all over. I'm, I'm just very nervous about the future. I don't want to address it. <laughs> that's that's a, a, a challenge, uh, of course. Um, I think Scott said it earlier, you know, if you don't want to be in business, you just ignore the future. If you pay attention to what's happening around you, you can start making little incremental changes. If it just starts with that, um, you know, people think of artificial intelligence of this huge uh, technology, but it's really a bunch of little technologies. You can take every element of your of your business model, whether it's your supply chain or your customer service system, and apply an, an element, elements of artificial intelligence that you can download for free, actually, and improve the process at that particular point in your business model. So you don't have to make a massive investment. You don't have to be overwhelmed by this whole concept of artificial intelligence or big data analytics or whatever. You need to be addressing it all but you can address it inside your business model at your weak points. So it's something that everybody can do. And I notice, uh, uh, Greg, that you have a little artificial intelligent chat bot on your website. I have, I have a piece of artificial intelligence in my search engine. It's a natural language processing uh, 
uh, software that my partner downloaded for free and installed in about two hours. And it's, it magnified the benefit that we have in our search engine. Yeah, I, I mean, so what would you guys say to somebody who says, uh, okay, um, I have to catch up to the digital age. What would you say to that person? Well, you better do it fast because we're, we're, we're rapidly going through the digital age and that's foundational. It, that's foundational today. All these technologies that you see, cloud computing, uh, AI, machine learning, big data analytics, um, robotics, all this other stuff, uh, virtual reality, it's all driven by the foundation of digital processing. So if they're now saying they want to catch up to the digital age, um, they, they have to do it fast. I think the most important thing for people to shift and the biggest investment they have to make is the investment in a mind shift. And, and it's really one of the most interesting things. Uh, PwC has 55,000 employees in America. Every one of them is required every week to do digital training and on learning on AI, robotics, new processes and methodologies to teach them. Uh, Liberty Mutual took hundreds of employees and said, your job is no longer relevant, but you are. They sent them out to 90 days of training and put them back in technology positions, people who hadn't been in technology. And it's understanding that the human mind can adapt. Your mind can adapt. You need to make the investment of a change of mindset to this is something that matters. This is something that's part of being a good steward and change how you're looking at it and thinking about it just like you would any other part of your standard business systems. That's the most important part. If you don't, you're just, you're just waiting for somebody. To, you're standing in the, in the train tracks waiting for somebody to come along and knock you out of your business. You know, I want to I follow up on that. In, in, it's, it's, the, it's the change in mindset when you start implementing the types of things that, that Scott just talked about at PwC and Liberty Mutual, you're now starting to change the culture. You're developing a, a futures-focused culture. And when, you're, when your culture is that way, you don't have to worry about catching up. You don't have to worry about being behind the eight ball. You're already there. You're recognizing the changes that are happening before everybody else does, and you can turn that into a competitive advantage. And actually, your, your people do it. So when you help your people get that mindset, one of the things that drives your be employees' behavior is fear, fear of being displaced or replaced and helping them understand this is going to make your life better. Um, there's certain things AI can do and can't do and helping them understand things that AI could do, you want to implement that so you can be more productive using your, your mind, the incredible human mind that God created. But they then can recognize, oh, here's a process that could be automated. And the rank and file, you know, in the trenches, employees are the ones who are coming up with the best solutions that are most quickly implemented and have the greatest payback because they understand what's happening every day that's tedious and it doesn't really require their mind. So you're completely changing where it's being driven. It's being driven from your people, not just, it's not you down, it's the customers and your people pushing it up to you. And you just have to open your eyes, ears, and mind to make the appropriate changes as it's coming at you. Our people are the closest to the friction that Scott had talked about before, 
what's the friction that the customer is facing? Scott, is there anything uh, that you'd be willing to share about what you've done in your company in the last year or two to address some of these things? Years ago, over a decade ago, uh, in one of our fields is irrigation, so lawn sprinkler systems. Historically, very low tech, low dollars, commoditized, highly competitive, and residential customers didn't understand any difference, so they all just went with the cheapest. But the friction points the customer had was, I called five guys, and they're all chucking a truck type of businesses, and nobody showed up. I called five more times, I got two bids, I didn't feel good about them, and I'm now having to select something I don't feel that great about. On our end, our sales team said, listen, I don't wanna to go to a residential job because I could go sell a $50,000 commercial job, and when I quote my $5,000 residential job, the customers don't wanna pay it. So we created a value proposition, but more importantly than that, we took our bidding process, we basically used robotic automation for process automation, created an algorithm that a customer could answer 10 questions and in two seconds get three bids from us of our good, better, best offering 24 seven. So we scraped out our cost of actually having to go bid it. We're giving the customer what they want, which I wanna know what this costs now, I want that price transparency. Two things happened, about half of the leads went away. The customer saw the price and that was the customer who wasn't gonna spend the money, we're not gonna twist somebody's arm. The other thing that happened was our conversion rate on the customers who completed it and said, yes, please come out, was over 50%. So the customer already had the price. The customer felt that they weren't being evaluated based on their vehicle, their clothes, or their home. They were getting a price that was uh, essentially allowing them to be anonymous and felt that they were being treated fairly. And for us, we could quote 2,000 jobs in a day, and there was no difference. It created an incredible market uh, differentiator. And we would ask customers on buyer and non-buyer surveys, like, why did you buy from us? Well, to tell you the truth, you know, I, I requested several bids, but the only one I got was from you and I got it instantly at two in the morning when I was curious. So I hope you're treating me right because I'm just moving forward because you're the only one that could respond. Took out a ton of cost, improve the customer experience. That's, that's one thing. We're actually doing that with hot water heaters now. So using a platform called CPQ, it's configure price quote. You can take complex transactions that historically required a person to person interaction and allow that person to go as deep or as shallow as they want and get a quote and get all the value propositions using video, using content online, things that you couldn't do. You can actually, unfortunately, do better than you could with a person because you can't count on a person to convey all the right facts exactly right every time, whereas an automated system, you can. Um, again, scraping tons of cost out, giving the customer what they want when they want it, and you're adjusting that business model that historically in our industry, the model is you must pay me to send somebody out to look at your house and quote it. And then once I'm there and I've looked at you, your house, your clothes, your car, I'll give you a price. And now you're stuck versus I want to pull it up on my smart device, get a price now and know what it's going to take. It's adjusting to that uh, change in the human mindset, but also adjusting to a friction point that exists for consumers that our space has ignored for decades and they think, it's just fine how it's working because it's working fine for them. Things like scraping out costs, not being afraid to lean into the future, uh, trusting that God has your best in mind, uh, knowing the condition of your flocks and herds, uh, leaning into it with a professional uh, who can help you along the path. You guys are both speaking at the Leadership Collab in San Diego, a joint conference between Convene, 
and Fellowship of Companies for Christ, FCCI. People can find out more about it at leadershipcollab.com, but they can come meet you in person at that event because you're spending time speaking about this in person. How about a little sneak peek without giving away the whole store about what you guys might be talking about at Leadership Collab in San Diego in September and October this fall? Well, I'll, um, I'll say that one of the uh, benefits of attending that, that breakout session will be to start developing your future-oriented mindset, as Scott had pointed out. That's where it all starts. It starts between your ears, and we'll give them plenty of opportunity to think about it. Helping them understand where the weaknesses are and then giving them actionable items. Uh, Mike has some great tools already. People are going to leave there with actionable items that they can actually say, go through steps one through ten and start to implement this and make that shift in the organization. I think that's the most valuable thing that they can hope to receive. And they can start doing that on the plane ride home. That's great. I think what will happen for those people who come is we will um, maybe just be able to eliminate the guilt that they haven't started, give them faith that they can start, and give them tools that they can use. And that'll be a great uh, gift. So. I'm very grateful that uh, you guys took time to be with us today. I'm very grateful that you'll be in San Diego in the fall at Leadership Collab, leadershipcollab.com. And I'm excited about what uh, might happen with this relationship between you two and us at Convene and what God might do to help companies. I think to the tune of really millions of dollars, maybe, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars saved, maybe industries started. Maybe organizations closed down. I, I was remember I was talking to one convened gentleman the other day. I'll just end with this quick story. And I hadn't seen him for a couple of years, and he built cell phone towers. And I said, How's the cell phone tower business? And he said, Well, I'm not really in the cell phone tower business anymore. I said, Well, what business are you in? He says, I build uh, charging stations for electric cars. That's really what it's all about. So grateful that you guys have spent time with us. Thanks so much. And I look forward to seeing you in San Diego real soon. Thank you, Greg. Thank you very much.